some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. Sports Talk continues with a look at Nashville's teams and at news around the nation from the lead writer of 1045thezone.com. This is the Big Six. The Big Six with Jason Martin, presented by Renters Warehouse. And here we go. Straight up 6 o'clock by my watch means it's time for the one and only Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Glad to have you with us. Blessed to have you as a part of my audience. My name is Jason Martin. You can find me on Twitter at jmartzone. I'm blessed beyond measure, all reasonable and otherwise. I tell you that every single evening. I hope you recognize that you are as well. Hope this finds you and yours doing exceedingly well in your lives. I couldn't be in a better place in mine. Couldn't be any happier than I am right now as well. And in nine days, I guess I'm going to get even happier. And I guess most of you probably know why. But also football's happening, which makes us all happy. And high school ball happening tonight. We'll have Murphy Fair and Tom Duggan joining us here in just a little while. We'll also talk some about Monday, or we'll talk some about Thursday night football rather. And, man, Cam Newton channeling Susan Sarandon and Thelma and Louise in that postgame, wearing that headscarf, looking like he's trying to feed ducks in the park with moldy bread. And the only thing worse than that look was his performance. But I guess we need to talk Titans-Colts first. Coming up on Sunday, home opener for the Titans, AFC South opener for both of these two football teams. This feels like one of those. This is a statement game in a division that feels wide open with the lack of Andrew Luck and with many of the other things that have been going on surrounding it. You're losing your starting quarterback in Jacksonville and Nick Foles and Gardner Minshew, who, yeah, that's a name that exists now and a mustache that exists as well. We don't know what they're going to be. Houston, Deshaun Watson is taking hits that, Cam Newton's probably shuddering at at this point because I think they have shortened Cam Newton's career. But Deshaun Watson and the Texans in a heartbreaker lose to the Saints on Monday Night Football. The Titans are the only team in the division with a win. They could go 2-0 and and win against the hated Colts that have been a thorn in their side for so long, taking advantage of a quarterback in Jacoby Brissett that's still trying to kind of find Everything that's going on. We talked to Colts.com's Andrew Walker this morning on the wake-up zone where I was filling in for Mark Howard and Blaine Bishop. And I asked him about the chemistry between Brissett and T.Y. Hilton. And he says, hey, it's a lot better than it was a couple of years ago. T.Y. Hilton and Andrew Luck had a special kind of relationship and friendship off the field. And everything was playing very well for them on it. But Brissett and Hilton have kind of developed a little bit of that kind of camaraderie, and certainly it's translating on the field, so he's expecting more from them. This is a different challenge than the Browns because this is the opposite of the Cleveland Browns. There was so much hype about the Cleveland Browns. As soon as Andrew Luck said, I'm retiring, all of the hype left the Indianapolis Colts, despite the fact that Chris Ballard has built them well. 
despite the fact that Marlon Mack is a very talented running back, a capable running back, a bowling ball style running back with speed and power. And then, of course, yes, T.Y. Hilton and Ebron, who had a resurgence last year. And then Brissett, who I think is more than just mildly capable, not just of beating the Titans, but of winning that division with everything that surrounds him in Indianapolis. So you had all the pressure in the world on the Browns and all the reason to believe that catching them in week one, especially, you had a good chance to beat them, even without Taylor Lewan, to a team this week where the quarterback in Brissett got the ball out of his hands in less than two and a half seconds on average against the Chargers last week. 2.3 seconds, and it was out of his hands. And that's a super positive development if you're a Colts fan. Not as good for the Titans because their pass rush largely depended upon the fact that Baker Mayfield held on to the football like he was Marcus Mariota and not like he was Baker Mayfield from the back stretch last year for the Browns. Now, Mariota can't sit around and take these awful sacks. He took at least one of the three that he took on Sunday he should not have taken. He's got to throw the ball away. He's also got to throw it better outside the hash marks. You've got to see something from Corey Davis. You got so much from A.J. Brown, get you 100 yards in his debut. Delaney Walker catches a couple of touchdown passes. I'm not worried about Humphreys. I think he's going to get his. The guy that you need to see some level of consistency from is the one that you pick number five in the draft. He's not out there to block and do other things. He's out there to catch touchdowns and catch and make big plays for your football team. And we've seen flashes of it, but you can't afford to see flashes out of the number five pick in the draft. It's got to be better than that. So that's got to be a key. And, of course, not letting Marlon Mack control this football game. If you want somebody to beat you, I would dare Jacoby Brissett to beat me against that secondary more so than I would Marlon Mack on the ground. Because if he gets it going, then the defense could tire out. So it's going to be key that the defensive line continues to get penetration and doesn't get bullied by this vastly improved offensive line that Chris Ballard has built around, well, what he thought was going to be Andrew Luck keeping him upright. And you add to that Frank Reich's offense, which specializes in quick strikes and getting the ball out of the quarterback's hand, this is not going to be a a two-and-a-half sack game, most likely, for Cameron Wake. So you're going to actually need more from the offense than you got last week. It's not that Mariota played badly. He He didn't really. He didn't do anything particularly special, but he was fine. But you're going to have to score more points and get more yards if you want to beat the Colts, I believe. Now, there's also the added momentum that comes from Eddie George and Steve McNair, the number nine and the number 27 being retired at halftime. You hope if you're a Titans fan, by the time that celebration hits, the scoreboard already has given you something to celebrate. So that's hopefully going to be a positive. Hopefully having Eddie talking to the team and just all of what he's done all week long has been kind of a boost for this team. Although it's interesting to me that you hear some of these younger players talking about the impact of McNair and George. And most of them probably were too young to have seen the heyday of both of those two guys. So I wonder just how much they know or how much they've been taught. I feel like it's almost impossible to play for this organization and not know a lot of what's going on, even if you were too young to really pick up on it. But hope maybe that's going to be a little bit of a momentum boost. Eventually, though, it's 60 minutes of football, and it's a game that if you're the Tennessee Titans and you want to take a step from the 2018 to the 2019, you can't follow up a win that a lot of people might not have expected you to get nationally with dogs. After you beat the Eagles, you lost three in a row. The first of those was to Buffalo, which was inexcusable. 
Then you beat New England and Dallas in back-to-back weeks in reverse, and then you lost a couple in a row and barely beat the Jets. This team needs to go out and win this football game, make a statement in this division, and also show that they should be, they really should win this division. That's just the case at, at this point in time with the quarterback situation. And if you think Mariota's the guy, then he definitely needs to be the guy right now with Minshew on one of these teams and Brissett on one of these teams still trying to learn. You've got a real shot here. So things need to go positively. You need a good start as well. And we'll see how it plays out. You're not going to be able to beat Andrew Luck, but hopefully you might be able to get the job done against Jacoby Brissett. Then, of course, there's the Derrick Henry factor. Looked good. Looked like he picked right up where he left off last year as a receiver and a running back. As a matter of fact, very effective in week one. You want him to be the running back story, not Marlon Mack. If he's able to control it, that's going to make things a lot easier on Marcus Mariota, and it's going to give him maybe more time to throw the football and make decisions and look down the field because they're having to respect the run. And they're going to come in expecting the run, so you've got to find a way. That offensive line that performed pretty well against a decent pass rush last week, they're going to see a pretty ferocious pass rush this week. They're going to need to stand up against that, but at the same time, they've got to create holes for their bell cow so that Derrick Henry can get the job done for them and make it a little bit easier on number eight, standing back there holding the football. When we come back, Murphy Fair will join us for his weekly Friday visit. We will talk about that big one last night, Maryville and Alcoa, and the slate of high school games, including a really cool one that he's going to be at. Huge game. But let's let's talk to Tom Duggan first, our good friend at DTC3.TV. And those guys are they're pretty much making a living in Watertown right now, but there could be a lot worse places to be, right, Tom? Hey, that's the truth, Jason. I tell you, Watertown's, uh, again, got a great team this season. And I'll tell you what, what about that game last week against Crownsville County coming back from uh, 13-0 down and sending this thing in overtime? You know, they scored with uh, 141 left in the fourth quarter, had a chance to kick the extra point, missed the extra point, and, and turnovers ended up being, uh, uh, you know, the Achilles heel of Crownsville County last week. And lo and behold, they get into overtime, they fumble the ball away, fifth turnover is not, and Cole Miller, the kicker, who had missed the extra point, gets a chance of redemption, nails a 20-yard field goal. Man, that was a heck of a ball game last week. And now we turn right around and we get Watertown again this week with DeKalb County. Now, this is not a region game, but this is a rivalry that goes back a long, long time. Uh, DeKalb County High School actually consolidated between two inter-county schools in 1963. Now, they played 40 times since then. And, but this series goes back well beyond that, back into the, the 30s, 40s, and 50s, between what was Smithville High School then and Watertown High School. So this is a big-time rivalry. And, uh, you know, I was told some of the Watertown players were asking about Trousdale County on Saturday morning, and they said, you know, Trousdale, that game is over. We're focused on the cap. So this is a laser-focused Watertown team. And this is a DeKalb County team. They struggled in week one and two. They had to combine 12 turnovers in their first two games, but they come back last week. They forced five turnovers in their region opener against Stone Memorial. They come out of that with a 33 nothing victory. I saw DeKalb County in the preseason. The team that played last Friday night was the team I expected them to be this season. This is a good ball club, veteran offensive line, veteran quarterback, three-year starter who's only a junior. So they've got all the elements, a good defense. This should make for an interesting game tonight. And you add in that border rivalry element, and these two always seem to have a, uh, 
you know, a shoot out between one another. And, of course, folks tonight, whether you're at a football game or whether you're just sitting at home tonight, and of course, I encourage you, go ahead and watch the Friday Night Lights and support these kids. But you can always get on your mobile device and, and catch our game as well. You go to www.dtc, the number three, dot TV. Again, that's dtc3.tv. And we will have the coverage. The coach, Chris Vance, J.R. Smith, and myself, I tell you what, we, we love being in Watertown, but we just love being somewhere on Friday night. And, uh, Jason, we've got another great game lined up for this this week, and I'm very excited about it. That is Tom Duggan, DTC3.TV. That's how you can listen to the broadcast tonight. Watertown and DeKalb should be a good one. We'll be right back with Murphy Fair here on 104.5 The Zone. Zone. Welcome back here on this Friday in Music City. This is the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Glad to have you with us. I'm Jason Martin. As always, you can find me on Twitter at jmartzone. We're brought to you by Renters Warehouse. They're dedicated to making renting your home easy, fast, and worry-free. Renters Warehouse, you can't buy happiness, but you can rent it. Well, we're three weeks into the high school football season, week four tonight, which means it's time for our weekly visit with our good friend Murphy Fair. Murphy, how are you today? Hey, I'm doing great, Jason. Sounds like you're on top of your game, too. It's uh, When it's Friday night in the fall, it's always a good night as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, football just makes things a little bit easier. And you've got, I know where you are tonight, B.A. and Whitehaven. You want to talk about two powerhouses in the state of Tennessee. Uh, you should have quite a dandy in front of you this evening. Well, I think there's uh, probably going to be as much talent on the field in this one tonight as any game across the state. Whitehaven, uh, all you got to do is look in my annual high school football magazine, and Coach Rodney Salisbury does such an incredible job of sending kids on to play at the next level. Some of them may be at schools we've never heard of, but Rodney uh, operates under the philosophy, if you want to play at the next level, there's a place for you out there. And he does a great job in finding those places. Year in and year out, there's 40 to 50 kids playing college football who prepped at Whitehaven High School in Memphis. And that's quite an accomplishment on his part. And then when you mention Brentwood Academy, uh, the same thing applies. Uh, the, the best guys in the mid-state, uh, especially in and around Williamson County, a, a goodly number of those are going to be wearing a red uniform. So uh, lots of talent on the field without a doubt tonight a lot of talent a lot of eyeballs and a lot of perennial power it's not like these are two teams that are just now on the come up like these are two schools that you expect to see in big games on a pretty regular basis it's public versus private there are all sorts of things to kind of look at here it's just going to be an absolute war and i think that it, you know it's another one of these examples and you're seeing this across the state today and tonight that you know we're going to get into region play kind of next week. So you're getting these non-regional matchups. How important do you look at some of these things and say, all right, it's time to get yourself right. Maybe you have a measuring stick kind of game to see where you are. But then, of course, everything ramps up next week. So this week has got to be about just having your team in the best possible shape as you move into these important region matchups starting next week. I think measuring stick's a, a great phrase to use in this one, too, because uh, both of these teams are going to go very far in the playoffs. Uh, and you don't get better by playing pushovers. You get better by playing better people. Uh, I talked to Coach Salisbury earlier in the day, and I asked him, I said, who who initiated this game? And he said, well, both of us needed another game. There's no question about it. And 
he apparently called Cody White first, and uh, Cody was was more than anxious to uh, uh, to schedule this game. So they're both going to find out how good are we uh, by playing uh, a team with the credentials that both of these squads bring to the table. It ought to be a great game and, and a fun game to watch just because of the speed and talent on both sides of the ball. Just looking at some of the matchups, some of the other games that are being played tonight, Gallatin and Mount Juliet, just the idea that Gallatin undefeated started out really well. That's just kind of an intriguing one. Then you look at Beach and Hendersonville, two teams with winning records. Beach is also undefeated. Of course, when you're 3-0, you're going to see a lot of teams that have managed not to lose yet. Then you look at Lipscomb Academy, which there are more people paying attention to that program than have been in years past for obvious reasons, and they're playing against undefeated Page. So there, there's a lot to like on the slate this evening. Well, there really is. And I really had a hard time deciding where yeah, I was going to sure. go tonight. Uh, but all of those games that you mentioned are, are for the most part, non-regional contests, uh, kind of backyard brawls. I can remember the last time I went to a Gallatin-Mount Juliet game uh, a member of the 101st Airborne dropped the football in uh, via parachute uh, on the 50-yard line. So that game uh, has has got great tradition going for it. Uh, but you mentioned the Lipscomb-Page game, and I don't know if those two schools have ever played each other mm-hmm. or not, but they're not that far apart. Uh, but a great measuring stick for both of those two because they're both uh, programs that are moving into the fast lane very quickly. And uh, I think it's going to be real interesting to see how that one turns out for sure. Last night, I think everybody was paying attention to Maryville and Alcoa. That was the 91st. You talk about maybe a game that hasn't been played before in terms of the Page game with Lipscomb Academy potentially. This was the 91st time that we've seen Maryville and Alcoa. Alcoa hadn't lost in 29 games. They beat Maryville, of course, last year. Well, that streak is over. Maribel didn't let Alcoa get into the end zone last night in a 17-3 to game. That's just one that you pay attention to no matter where you are in the state, right? Yeah, and the funny thing about it, I've talked to people who were at the ball game there last night, and uh, uh, it looked like maybe the game was a little bit one-sided, but as I understand it, with less than nine minutes to go in the game, it was tied at three. A great defensive battle. Uh, Coach Rankin uh, on the Alcoa side, his son, Zeke, uh, kicked the 35, 38-yard field goal, something like that on Alcoa's first drive. Could have been from 50 yards out, I understand. And that's the last time they even got a sniff of the Maribel end zone. Um, Maribel with three turnovers, uh, but but they uh, the defense rose to the occasion. They played without their uh, star running back, T. Hodge. I don't think he, he got a touch last night. Uh, but nonetheless, Coach Rankin had told me some years ago, if he could beat Maryville once every three or four years, uh, that would be a good thing. And since they beat him last year, uh, I should have known that uh, Alcoa was not going to get one last night. But I understand there was maybe six or 7,000 people at the ball game. Just an incredible atmosphere as far as high school football is concerned. Yeah, Murphy, you talk about T. Hodge. He had turf toe that he got last week, so he wasn't able to play. Uh, Alcoa had what? Not only did, were they on that win streak, but they also had outscored their last two opponents, eighty-four to zip. Like they had not—I mean, they were absolutely dominant. Could not get in the end zone against Maribel, so that's super impressive for Maribel. And I'm sure Alcoa is going to bounce right back. Another intriguing matchup, and we're actually going to have someone on from my TV thirty here in just a, a little bit to talk about this in more detail is Ravenwood and Pulaski Academy. Pulaski Murphy, 
very interesting football team in that they apparently don't believe in feet in any way <laughs> as it relates to the game of football. No, they they don't punt the football. Uh, they may they may uh, you know have a kickoff after a touchdown, uh, but that's the only time they're going to use the feet as far as the game is concerned. Tim Johnson, the head football coach at Lincoln County, a guy who is from Lincoln County, played his collegiate football at Vanderbilt, a name that most of our listeners are uh, very familiar with. He was the headmaster at Pulaski Academy over there in Little Rock uh, for a while before coming back to Middle Tennessee. It would be interesting to to get his take on that game, but it ought to be a dandy with uh, two programs that are certainly household names where high school football is concerned. And then just two teams that I'm sure you know very well, two schools that you know very well, and Pope John Paul and Father Ryan. I mean, yeah, Father Ryan's one and two, but these are just, you know, these are two teams that know each other, and it's just kind of an intriguing storyline to kind of keep an eye on in mid-state. It is. They refer to that one as playing for the Bishop's Cup. Yes. It moves back and forth between the two schools, the two, uh, the two primary uh, Catholic high schools here in the Nashville area. And, uh Always a pretty good game. There for a while, it was generally Father Ryan winning most of the time. Uh, but JP2 has gotten back in the picture a little bit, and that one's, uh, that one's always neat for the traditionalists. Uh, who, who, uh, and, and we're getting more and more of those parochial, parochial schools from up north, the Catholic high school people that have moved down here and uh, helped fill the hallways of those two schools. It means an awful lot to uh, people who were born and raised in the Catholic Church and, and have a, a Catholic high school education uh, denominator, if you will, between them. Brentwood Academy in Whitehaven, where you are tonight, you've got a lot of SEC commitments, at least two, maybe three, that are going to be on the field there tonight in that game. How do you actually see that game going? I know you could potentially see it going either way with teams that are that talented. A lot of times when you have two teams that are that good, one of them – blows the other one out but i don't sense that's what's going to happen but how do you think that game's going to play out this evening i don't know i really think the speed factor is going to come into play uh with white heaven having quite even having so many uh so many kids who are blessed with speed uh, you've got like i said one kid bryson eason going to arkansas uh, to marion mcdonald i think he's going to vanderbilt but then on the other side of the ball uh you know you've got uh Got some pretty household names, too, and maybe the biggest one of all is Jordan James. He's only a sophomore, but this little guy can fly. I have seen uh, him run up and down the field against some pretty good teams uh, in the in the preseason. So uh, I think it's one of those games you just sit back, watch, enjoy the atmosphere because there's definitely some, some young men who are going to be playing at the college level on the field tonight. This one doesn't have anything to do with regional standings. It's public versus private. It's uh, affluence in some cases versus inner city. Uh, it's just one of those games that doesn't come along in, 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 in most weeks, and I'm really looking forward to being a, a witness on the sideline for sure. Well, I have a sense when we talk a week from today that we will be recapping that one because you're probably going to see some spectacular stuff. I wouldn't be surprised if we see some highlights on some national stuff. From that game, I'll potentially. Have to, I'll have to set the shutter speed a little bit faster tonight, for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Murphy, is always a pleasure. Enjoy that one. I hope it's a classic for you. Sounds great, Jason. Have a good weekend yourself, buddy. Appreciate it. That is Murphy Fair, of course. He joins us every Friday at this time on the Big Six. We'll be right back, as a matter of fact, with the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Zone.
Welcome back. Our thanks to Murphy Fair. He always joins us on Friday in the second segment here on the Big Six. I'm Jason Martin. You can follow me on Twitter at jmartzone. A lot of good high school games tonight. A couple good college games tonight with Washington State and Houston in the battle with the Cougars. Dana Holgerson, Mike Leach, two interesting personalities, certainly. And also you got Wake Forest and North Carolina playing right now. Wake Forest averaging over, like, right around 40 points a game. So that one's going to be fun. Those are two teams that are and two schools in the football programs that are definitely on the upswing right now and probably bear paying a little bit more attention to maybe than we have been to this degree. I don't really want to talk much about Antonio Brown today. He's not been put on the commissioner's exempt list, and I guess I'm not really surprised, and nor do I think that he necessarily should have been either. This is a civil matter. There is no criminal complaint right now. There's no information yet. The league doesn't really have the means to investigate, even though they're going to try. The personal conduct policy often turns out to be a disaster. If I'm the, the Patriots can make the decision if they want to play him or not. I might consider not playing him just because they don't need him to beat Miami, who's going to lay down like a dog because they want to lose. I mean, the Minka Fitzpatrick news is absolutely unbelievable. And the Minka Fitzpatrick news, by the way, may actually lead to a change. There could be a change in how the drafts are set up in terms of the worst record might not automatically get the first pick because this is awful. It's awful for the fans to have to watch this. And yes, in this sport in particular, you can get hurt and you're taking years off your life. I mean, I even look at Le'Veon Bell and I'm seeing no Sam Darnold and the schedule that the Jets have and thinking, okay, they may be 0-6 or 1-5 and and their season's going to be over. And here's Le'Veon Bell playing a position that most of the people don't even get three years out of. It's like 2.4 or somewhere in that vicinity in terms of the longevity of career for running backs in the NFL. And if I'm Le'Veon Bell, I'm like, why am I running like crazy to probably have no chance to make the playoffs when... I was hoping that I was going to have a quarterback in Sam Darnold who, well, I mean, he didn't look that great last week, but him and Gase trying to get on the same page. It's kind of tough. And then you're asking the Miami Dolphins, and you're basically, they know that you have no interest in winning football games because you want to tank and you want a new quarterback. And I don't know how you feel if you're Josh Rosen in that situation either, but Mika Fitzpatrick may or may not be on the trade block or whatever, but they've let his agents seek other deals and other people, multiple players on the team want to get out of there. It's a mess. It's a total mess. Also a mess is what's going on in Carolina. We saw it last night on Thursday Night Football. The Bucks went at 20-14. to 14. This game took forever. Jerome Ber- Boger's crew is abysmal. We know this because they've called a lot of Titans games. Pretty much Jerome Boger and Jeff Triplett back in the day. That's when you knew it was going to be a rough outing in terms of how it was going to be called. All of these ball placement spot errors and... We're sitting here watching the U.S. Open where they get it within a micro centimeter every time, and the ball's going much faster than a football is, and they still say the technology's not precise enough to use in the NFL. I saw Chris Brown, who is a very smart football mind. I'm not talking about that Chris Brown. I'm talking about Chris Brown at Smart Football, who basically said, look, He's been told that they're close, but they're not there yet. And he suggested this is where the XFL should should go. And I agree. Like, if the XFL could get this technology right, it would go a long way to creating a little bit of interest and equity. At the very least, what did we get out of the first XFL? Well, we got the Skycam. We got some of those production techniques. Well, if you get this 
then the XFL coming back by itself would be enough. But if you if they're right and you can't get it precise in the NFL to where they want it, I don't know how the XFL is going to do it. But I mean, we're still using two sticks attached to a chain and referees that are running down the field trying to figure out where a football is in real time. So that's not great. But outside of the game, also not great was Cam Newton's performance, and you have to wonder um, how much longer he's going to play. And I don't mean start for the Panthers. I mean play in the league. I wasn't kidding at all last night when I tweeted that Cam Newton had a look in his face that made me think he's going to place a phone call to Andrew Luck to ask him about the quality of his life since he retired. It's sad because Cam Newton was a great player at the helm of a 15-1 and Carolina Panthers team. Even though he wasn't the most accurate passer, he had a great arm and he was an incredible athlete. A lot of his energy and enthusiasm came from what he was able to do with his legs, and he can't do much of anything with his legs now. It's all sort of gone away and evaporated, as has his passion, I think, to play. He's flat out there because his body just won't allow it. He was beaten up. He was Shaquille O'Neal in an NFL uniform. In terms of being a quarterback at the size he is, if you've ever stood next to him or been anywhere close to him, you realize what a large human being he is. He took a pounding, and he was not getting a lot of flags thrown against the guys that were coming after him. He was taking late hits. We remember all of those conversations and him even saying, look, people need to protect us a little better out here. Well, he's going to be out of the league in a couple of years. I mean, last night he looked like it was time to call in the backups. It was time to ask Will Greer to come into that football game. And then if you want to look even further down, Ron Rivera probably is on his last legs as well as the head coach in Carolina. This is a guy who I thought should have been on the hot seat a few years ago, maybe should have left a couple of years ago as well. Not exactly a motivational guy at this point. I don't find him to be a particularly good head coach. So he's definitely somebody that could benefit from a change of scenery, just like that franchise could benefit from a change in leadership on the sidelines. And maybe Rivera is just a defensive guy who can go ahead and go back to being a defensive coordinator for a time. And the head coach thing, I mean, he's had a decent run there, but last year they were bad. They went from like sort of being, okay, maybe they can make the playoffs to Cam getting beaten up and then falling off a cliff. And they've started out this season and they're bad. Cam Newton hasn't won in his last four games. He hasn't thrown a touchdown in his last four games, hasn't won in his last eight, which is a worse streak than Jimmy Clausen's worst streak at seven. And so there is a question you can ask as to who is going to play longer in the NFL, Jameis Winston or Cam Newton. And the answer, I think, is probably Jameis, even if it's as a backup. Jameis didn't play great last night. I thought he had a couple of drives where he threw the ball well. He actually threw some of his receivers open, has a lot of weaponry, should be able to do more with it. Maybe Arians is going to bring more of that out of him as the season progresses. But if it doesn't work and he doesn't get an opportunity to be a starter on a regular basis anywhere else after Tampa Bay, I don't know that Cam Newton is in the league in 2021. He's made a lot of money. He does not look happy at all. He's doing this Thelma and Louise thing, which I mentioned on Twitter last night. He looks like Susan Sarandon, and his game is approaching the cliff. Even if he's not in the car just yet, his game is. It just feels like he's lost the love for the game because of how he feels. And he is a front-running guy who can really get down. If you've ever seen them after losses and how he had acted at times, he did not handle that part of the gig particularly well to begin with. Now you look at it, and he might not even believe 
in himself anymore. Like his confidence is totally shot because he can't. I mean, on fourth and goal from the one and a half yard line, they go gadget play to Christian McCaffrey and try to get it into the end zone on the left side or at least get the first down. And they get stuffed on that play even after the review. Cam Newton is 6'5, 250. All he has to do is fall forward and he's going to get that, and they don't let him do it. Cam Newton doesn't demand it in that moment either, apparently, because he easily could have just kept the ball and done that. What are they going to do? I mean, it, it probably works, first of all. So even if they're mad, I mean, they don't want him to take any unnecessary hits. And by unnecessary, it means any hits that they don't have to allow him to take by putting him in a position to get tackled in the first place. So he didn't run at all. I don't think he had three carries last night. Most of what he has done in his career has been predicated by early success running the ball and always pulling it down if he has to as sort of that's almost his check down. Less throwing the ball, it was running the ball, and he can't do it. He's not fast enough anymore. He's not agile enough anymore. And when he gets hit, you're not sure he's going to get back up. I mean, we've seen that kind of problem here with Marcus Mariota in Nashville at times. But Cam, it's a lot worse. And I look at the rest of the AFC South, in particular the Houston Texans, and I say Deshaun Watson is not 6'5", 250. I mean, he's not short, but he's not Cam Newton. And he is taking an incredible beating. We saw it on Monday Night Football. We saw it all last year. We saw what cost Andrew Luck his career. And it was mismanagement from the general manager position prior to Chris Ballard getting there. And now you're seeing in Houston, Deshaun Watson getting brutalized. And he's already dealt with more injuries than Andrew Luck ever did on the college level. And even in the high school level with ACL tears and things of that nature. This guy might not be playing as long as he should either. I don't want to see this, folks. I don't want to see Cam Newton stop playing football. I know he's in the division. So you have to kind of hope that he does not play well. But I want to see Deshaun Watson play, man. I'm a fan of this game. I love Deshaun Watson. I want to see him play football for a long, long time. I want to see that be the case for everybody. Marcus Mariota, Kyler Murray, everybody. Deshaun Watson, I don't know that it is a trend what we're seeing with Andrew Luck, but it is definitely concerning, I would imagine, if you're in Houston. Watching Cam right now, considering he was a 15-1 and quarterback three seasons ago that had his team in the Super Bowl. Yeah, their defense was good, but so was Cam Newton. The people and the chorus on social media last night, media types as well, suggesting how in the world could you win 15 games with this guy's quarterback. This guy ain't that guy. Time has passed. Hits, attrition, physicality, and a body breaking down as a result of that. All of that has happened. This Cam Newton in 2019 is nowhere close to the Cam Newton that we saw three years ago. Not at all. And that's sad. And I don't think we're ever going to see that guy again. So that's a shame. When we come back, really cool matchup on television tonight. Pulaski Academy and Ravenwood. I'm going to have Steve Mann of my TV 30 on to talk about that game. Just the interesting things surrounding it. And also just the high school coverage that they do that I've been a part of as well. That'll be fun. Stick around for that as we finish off on a Friday, the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Welcome back to the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin. You can find me on Twitter as always at jmartzone. 
We're brought to you by Renters Warehouse. They're dedicated to putting homeowners on the path to financial freedom through rent estate, renting your home without having to do the hard stuff. Renters Warehouse is the rent estate company. So, well, there's college ball tonight. There's college ball tomorrow. There's NFL ball on Sunday. But really, Friday belongs to high school. We bring in Steve Mann of my TV 30 who, look, the Friday night games that you guys have been doing, they just continue to expand. You guys have a really cool matchup tonight as well. But just in general, the growth of high school football as it relates to what you guys are doing at my TV 30 if you wouldn't mind just kind of telling the folks how far you guys have come. And, of course, I've been part of some of these broadcasts as well, and it's always a pleasure to do them. But it's a lot of fun to cover high school football and to do it on TV and the way you guys do it. It truly is, Jason. We take a great deal of pride in it. You know, from when we started Friday Night Rivals here in Nashville, Tennessee, Jason, we now have expanded it into 34 different markets across the United States. So we're very proud of that, showcasing these, you know, really these outstanding student athletes in prime time on television. And then we also uh, are very proud of, since we started the program, across the country after this season we have given back almost two million dollars in scholarships and school grants so something that we're very proud of is not just to showcase these outstanding student athletes but also to give back to the schools and to the students participating on friday night rivals that's awesome so you guys have a really fun matchup tonight you've got an undefeated ravenwood team and then you've got a team from arkansas that knows all about winning but does not really care to punt the football or to use feet basically at all unless they're running to either catch it or running the ball. This is going to be interesting for Jonathan Hutton and the crew to cover tonight. No question about it, Jason. Uh, Of all the years, I've been doing this for 12 years now, scheduling the games for the national market, and i got to tell you, this is one that I wanted the most of all the regular season matchups because, it, you know, for a fan, whether you're a diehard high school football fan or whether you've never watched a high school football game, tonight is one you don't want to miss. If you only catch one game this season, make sure it's tonight on my TV 30 because with Pulaski Academy, the way they throw it around the field, the fact that they never punt, the fact that they do onside kicks really makes it interesting. Now, what I think is great for Ravenwood is, you know, I think Ravenwood's strengths are, you know, their defense. They have tremendous athletes on defense, and they really do uh, have the ability to shut down opponents. I don't know if you ever shut down Pulaski Academy. Maybe you slow them down. But they definitely have the ability to do that probably better than any other opponent that they will face this year. And then also – when you take a look at Pulaski Academy, likes to take risk on defense, blitzes a lot. So with an experienced quarterback like Brian Garcia, you know, a senior that has a lot of experience, and then, you know, with their onside kicks, you know, Alan Lowry, who's with the Titans, is their special teams coach. So I think the, the strengths that Pulaski Academy uses against other teams actually are the strengths that Ravenwood can combat. So I think Ravenwood's going to be a very difficult matchup for Pulaski Academy tonight. Well, Steve, you guys do a fantastic job. And look, that broadcast is about to start here just in a couple of minutes. So everybody can certainly go over to my TV 30 and hear it. And it's, it's going to be really interesting because of these two matchups, this is not a region week in high school football in Tennessee. So these are kind of measuring stick games and just kind of intriguing matchups as teams try to get themselves right for the stretch run as we're kind of about a third of the way through the season right now. 
Yeah, it really is to be able to put this matchup on the you know the battle of two unbeaten teams, and you know Ravenwood preseason is considered one of the favorites, you know for the state championship. Really, will be an entertaining matchup for the fans to enjoy, and it's also homecoming tonight at Ravenwood, so there will be a, a tremendous enthusiasm. I can also tell you, Jason. I get the privilege of going around the country in you know, all these different markets, as I mentioned. I get to see the, you know, the fans, the student sections at the Williamson County Schools, Jason, are literally the best in the country. The enthusiasm, the just the passion that they have for their team, for their school. I mean, you will see uh, really on the Ravenwood side, it will be just non-stop rocking going on with the student section because it is amazing those Williamson County students in particular Ravenwood they really do support their schools like no other student section and they are in themselves entertaining because of their enthusiasm and they will bring a whole bunch of energy to the game tonight which going along with these two literally high-powered teams will make it just so entertaining for the viewer to be able to enjoy watching the game on my tv 30 well steve we'll be checking it out you guys keep up the great work hopefully we'll catch up with you soon and maybe i'll be working with you before the end of the year that will be excellent jason i appreciate it and we look forward to one heck of a football game tonight take care all right thank you they really do a fantastic job so that's going to be a fun broadcast tonight i really want to see a team that doesn't like to punt or kick at all a couple of pretty cool matchups coming up on Sunday in the NFL, two NFC in particular with the Vikings and Packers, an important NFC North game, and then the rematch of the NFC title game that led to the PI replay and all of that fracas with the Saints and the Rams, and that one's on the road for the Saints, so that's not going to be a particularly easy game, but some good matchups in addition, of course, to Indianapolis and Tennessee, which will be right here on 104.5 The Zone with that noon kickoff here and boy it's going to be warm out there i don't know that that actually makes that much of a difference except that both teams might get a little tired so hydration will certainly be a key on the field on sunday hopefully we're going to be talking about a 2-0 football team next week here on 104.5 the zone it's going to be an outstanding atmosphere and boy two guys that deserve it the late great steve mcnair and eddie george who if you heard him on the station this week just a classier individual you will not find and someone that cares about the community. I think he said something really prescient yesterday on the station when he suggested that this is the it city, but that doesn't mean it's the it city for everyone in it and that he wants to be the bridge between those things. I think that's important. I was in Philadelphia a couple of weeks ago for a wedding. And of course we live here and I noticed while I was there and my fiance Last year, she was also in Philadelphia for to visit these same people and talked about how there was so many more cardboard signs and people in need when we were up there. And there's so many that you can't help them all. And Nashville, I noticed that more and more just yesterday. I noticed a congregation of about seven or eight on the same street corner talking to one another. And it's just you can't help them all. But anybody that has influence and has some level of, of finances and just people pay attention to, like an Eddie George, to not look past that. We don't want to look past it, and we don't want to become a country, or certainly we don't want to become a city where 
there's just too much to have to step past and overlook. So these are issues that aren't going to get fixed on a football field, and they're not going to get fixed today. And maybe it's almost a pipe dream to think that they could get fixed, but it's always good when someone like Eddie George just remembers the importance of the community and remembers some of the things that are going on that still need to be addressed because it is an it city, and it would be awesome if it was an it city for a lot more people maybe than it is right now. So that's a little bit of food for thought. Titans and Colts on Sunday. That'll be a blast. You'll hear me tomorrow on the Tennessee Tailgate Show with Joey Kent post game somewhere around 4.35 p.m. after Tennessee Vol Network coverage. And, of course, the Vols will play Chattanooga. You'll hear that right here on 104.5 Zone. Coming up next, Chad Withrow. He's got four hours of high school football coverage coming. Best in the state. Stick with us here on 104.5 The Zone. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless and good night.